Would you open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11? We'll be in verses 5 to 13 today. Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 13. Would you stand for the reading of God's Word? And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Would you pray with me? Father, we do pray that you would grant understanding, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear by your Holy Spirit that you would plant your word deep in our hearts and bring about life change for the glory of our Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. You may be seated. C.S. Lewis preached a sermon in 1942 in Oxford, England, entitled The Weight of Glory, and it has had a weight of glory among God's people for a long time, has changed the way we think about pursuing our joy in the Lord. And he said this, he said, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. And Lewis is talking about we're satisfied with too little. We don't pursue our joy in the Lord. We're satisfied with earthly things. We're too easily pleased. 
And I would say that we're not only too easily pleased when it comes to the pursuit of God's glory and the pursuit of our joy in the Lord, we're also far too prone to let up and let go when it comes to prayer. We give up too easy. Like Lewis says, we're half-hearted creatures. See, many times when we come to the Lord in prayer, it's like we're mentioning a prayer request. It's in passing. But I would confess to you all, and you would probably all agree, that we don't pray as we ought. We pray half-heartedly. And Jesus is teaching us to pray and to keep praying and to keep praying and not let up and not let go. He's teaching us to pray with persistence. Prevailing prayer. Relentless prayer. We've learned over the past couple weeks as we've been studying the Lord's prayer, kind of the, the what to pray. And not necessarily the exact words, but we learn that it's along these lines. Father, hallowed be your name. And we desire for your glory to be made known among all the nations. Your kingdom come, the, the rule and reign of King Jesus. His righteous reign, may it, it cover the whole cosmos May people come under the reign of Jesus gladly now because we know that there is one day coming where every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We pray, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins and for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into tem temptation. We're praying for God's glory. We're, we're praying for the, the needs that we have in, as individuals and as a community of believers. So Jesus teaches us what to pray in the Lord's Prayer along the lines that we just laid out. But in the following verses, he he teaches us how to pray persistently without giving up. We're going to see four things. Number one, the parable in verses, excuse me, the parable in verses five to eight, the precept in verse nine, the promise in verse 10, and the premise in verses 11 to 13. Let's look, first of all, at the parable, verses 5 to 8. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, 
though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And this is so far away from us, from our thinking in our American individualistic culture where we have our own homes and our own bedrooms, a master bedroom, multiple rooms. We shut the door at night, we turn off the lights, and we don't expect that anybody would come and knock on the door in the middle of the night. But in a community in first century Israel, families lived in a a small home that maybe their all of their sleeping quarters was in one room. It kind of reminded me of that Willy Wonka's chocolate factory scene where they're all in the same bed, the whole family, grandparents, everybody with their hats, their long sleeping hats. But that's the way it would have been in these villages, these communities. And when you close the door to to get up and to answer the door would have been to wake up the entire family, to disturb the whole family. And if somebody's saying from the other side of the door, hey, would you mind helping me? I I need some bread. You're going to hear, ma pitom, what suddenly, what are you doing trying waking me up in the middle of the night? Go away. Even though in a shame and honor culture, it was very, very important to be hospitable and to provide bread for somebody coming and staying with you on a journey. But if you're just asking in passing, if you're just asking and you're not really serious about it, go away. But if you start knocking and you keep knocking and you continue knocking until I open the door, that's different. You're serious. You have a a big need. It's very important to you. You're desperate. You have no one else to turn to. And that's different. That's a different kind of request. And Jesus is teaching us to come to the Father and make our requests like that. When I was a teenager, I was probably in ninth grade. My sister was 11th grade. She had a boyfriend. She was talking to him on the phone one night. And I was being a pesky little brother. And I kept interrupting her and trying to get her attention. And she kept telling me to go away, go away. And she shut the door and I was outside knocking on the door and she kept telling me to go away. But I had a piece of candy in my mouth. I've told y'all this story before. And I swallowed it and it got stuck. And it scared me. And I started knocking on the door and I was really scared. And I I ran down into my room, looked in the mirror and I'm like, "I'm, I'm in trouble. This is stuck and it's not going anywhere and I need help. And I ran back to my sister's door and I started pounding on the door and I couldn't talk at all because the candy was lodged in my throat. But I kept knocking and knocking and knocking and though she had turned me away before because I was bothering her, she knew something was different. She could hear it in the knocking. Something was different. And she threw down the phone, ran to the door and saw that I was turning blue. She ran outside and came up behind me and the 
and gave me the Heimlich, I guess it was, and the piece of candy went flying everywhere. And she saved my life in that instance. I think that is the kind of knocking and asking that the Lord Jesus is describing here. It's as if our lives depended on it. We're coming to the Lord asking, knowing that no one else can provide for us what the Lord can. And so we knock and we keep on knocking and we don't give up. Verse 8 is the key verse. It says, I tell you, though he will not give up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he, he needs. And what does that word impudence mean? It means audacity, boldness, shamelessness. It's only used here in the New Testament. It's a it's a very, uh, it's, it's, it's a word that's just not used very commonly. It's a rare word. I think if it, were be, if it would be translated into Yiddish or Hebrew, it would be chutzpah. Audacity. Boldness. Shamelessness. And yet from the context, we see that it means Persistence, relentlessness, not giving up. That's what Jesus is teaching, and we'll look at that even in the precept, the command that we'll see next. There are several examples in the Old Testament. The patriarchs are described in this way with relentless prayer, persistence, and Genesis chapter 18, Abraham, when he intercedes on behalf of Sodom, says, Lord, if, if there's 50 righteous people, will you spare them? And then he comes back and he says, and the Lord says, yes. And he says, if there's 45, will you spare them? And the Lord says, yes. He says, if there's 40, will you spare them? If there's 30, if there's 20, if there's 10, and he keeps coming and coming back to the Lord. He was relentless in his intercession for Sodom. Isaac, in Genesis chapter 25, we see that when Isaac married Rebekah, he prayed for Rebekah, his wife, that she would conceive. Remember, they had the promise. And in Genesis chapter 25, verse 20, it says, And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And it sounds like it was like that. But if you go on a little bit further in verse 26, it says, Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. Isaac prayed for 20 years the same prayer over and over and over, pleading and begging with the Lord, having the promise. And yet he didn't stop. He wouldn't let up. We see in Jacob, in Genesis chapter 32, when he won't let go of the man, the angel, until he gets the blessing. 
says in verse 24 of chapter 32, And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. These are the examples in the Old Testament of of men who prevailed in prayer. Who persisted in prayer. And Jesus is teaching us that that is the way that we are to pray. So he uses a parable to teach that, and then he gives a command. So number one, the parable. Number two, the precept. Look at verse nine. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. The imperatives that Jesus uses are present imperatives. And what it means is ask And keep on asking. Don't stop asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Don't stop seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Don't stop knocking. This is the precept. You ask and you seek and you knock and you don't stop until you have what you have asked for. I mentioned C.S. Lewis at the beginning because many of us, we ask and then we stop asking. And it's as if we really weren't very concerned in the first place. It was a passing request. It wasn't that important to us really because we gave up so easily. And many times we spiritualize it. We, we ask for something and we say, your will be done, which is wonderful. We surrender everything to the will of God. Not my will, but your will be done. But many times we spiritualize it and we say, we ask, but, you know, whatever the Lord's will is. And, and really, we use our theology about the sovereignty of God as a shield instead of persisting and prevailing in prayer instead of continuing in prayer. And the reality is we may be asking for something that it is the will of the Lord. But also the will of the Lord is for us to prevail in prayer. We agree with the Westminster Confession that says that God is ordained whatsoever comes to pass. But we also know that God has ordained prayer to be a means of accomplishing all of his holy will. And maybe you quit praying for something. And maybe you said, well, I just entrusted it to the Lord. Really? Or did you just give up? Because maybe it's his will for you to continue praying and continue praying until you have the answer that you've been requesting. And maybe along the journey, the Lord would change your heart. 
in your request. Or maybe he would keep you steadfast in that exact same request. And maybe you have a child who's been a prodigal for a long time. You say, I've just entrusted him to the Lord. Have you or did you grow weary in asking the same thing over and over and not having the response that you wanted? And Jesus is teaching us to pray and to keep on praying. To ask and seek and knock and don't stop. Andrew Murray says this, he was a pastor and author in South Africa, 1828 to 1917, and he he says this in a, a little book called The Ministry of Intercession. He says there are various elements of importunity. This is the kind of prevailing, persistent prayer. The most important are perseverance, determination, and intensity Beginning with the refusal to at once accept a denial, importunity grows to the determination to persevere, to spare no time or trouble until an answer comes. It then rises to the intensity in which the whole being is given to God in supplication, and the boldness comes to grasp God's strength. It can be quiet and restful at one time, and passionate and bold at another. It can take time and be patient and then claim at once what it desires. No matter what its form, it always means and knows that God hears prayer and it will be heard. And that's what Jesus is teaching. God hears. He's not like the friend who won't get up when you bring a passing request. He's eager to hear and ready to listen and answer in accordance with his will. But keep on asking. Pray like you mean it. Pray like you believe it. He's really teaching us to pray in faith and to not give up. Ian Bounds says this, the superficial prayer subsides into silence when the answer is delayed. But the man of prayer hangs on and on. Have you subsided into silence? Have you quit praying for something that you once prayed fervently for? Have you grown weary and discouraged? Jesus would call you to Keep praying, to not stop, to ask and seek and knock without stopping. So there's the precept, the command, the instruction, the imperative from Jesus. And here's the promise. Look at verse 10. The promise. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Did you see where it started with the word for or because? The imperative, ask, seek, knock. And the promise is because everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. But the problem is we don't believe the promises. So we don't pray like we believe it. 
Do you believe that God hears your prayers? If you are in Jesus Christ, if you have trusted in the shed blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and reconciliation of a sinner to God, if you are trusting in Jesus, we've learned that we can come to God as our Father, and He welcomes us. We come to Him as Abba, and He hears us, and He loves to answer us. Do you believe the promise that God hears and answers his children, that he delights to hear from his children? George Mueller was the director of the Ashley Down Orphanage in Bristol, England. 1805 to 1898 was his life. And at 59 years old, he writes this in his autobiography. He says, I'm now in 1864 waiting upon God for certain blessings for which I have daily besought him for 19 years and six months without one day's intermission. Still the full answer is not yet given concerning the conversion of certain individuals. In the meantime, I've received many thousands of answers to prayer. I've also prayed daily without intermission for the conversion of other individuals about 10 years, for others six and others seven years, for others four, three, and two years, for others about 18 months, and still the answer is not yet granted concerning these persons. Yet I'm daily continuing in prayer and expecting the answer. Be encouraged, dear Christian reader, with fresh earnestness to give yourself to prayer if you can only be sure that you ask for things which are for the glory of God. And we saw how Jesus teaches us to pray God-centered prayers for our concern to be for the glory of God. When we pray this way, God is delighted to hear and to answer And even if he delays, we should know that he's teaching us something in the delay. We should not grow weary and give up. He's promised that for everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. To the one who knocks, it will be opened. Not it might be opened. It will be opened. We've seen the parable, the precept, the promise. Now look at the premise, the logic, the reasoning that Jesus gives. Verses 11 to 13. Jesus says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? In a traditional Jewish way, Jesus is arguing from the lesser to the greater. And He says, If you then who are evil 
know how to give good gifts to your children. And the assumption is, you know how to give good gifts to your children. When they ask for a fish, you're not going to give them a serpent. When they ask for an egg, you're not going to give them a scorpion. You will give them good gifts. And if you who are evil will give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? That's the reasoning. God is good. God is faithful. He loves His children, and how much more will He grant you what you need? John Piper says this, prevailing prayer is the pathway to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He says, unless you think God is distant from you and inattentive to you when the Spirit tarries, listen to this encouragement. When you prevail in prayer for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, more is happening in your life through this prevailing prayer that you would ever imagine. God waits because our prevailing prayer is good for us. May the Lord forbid that we would lose heart and fail in the very thing needful, mighty prevailing prayer. See, the reality is we need to pray this way. We need to pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit We've been talking about desiring to see many people come to a saving knowledge of Christ. We've been talking about it. And we've been praying as if we're asking these requests passively, mentioning these requests to the Lord. But have we been prevailing in this request? Have we been prevailing in the request that God would pour out His Holy Spirit in such a way that many people would be convicted of sin, that many people would see the glory of Christ, that, that many's li many people's lives would be changed forever? My concern is that I haven't prayed that way. And I know that if I haven't prayed that way, there's others in here that would say I haven't prayed that way either. I've given up so easily on the things that I've been asking for. I, I didn't believe that that person would ever be saved, so I quit praying. My heart has grown cold. I haven't been shameless in my prayers. I haven't had audacity in my prayers. I've been embarrassed because they haven't been answered and I guess they weren't that important and I spiritualized it by saying, I guess it wasn't God's will. Well, maybe it was God's will that I continued to pray. And maybe that's what we need to learn today is that it is God's will for his children to prevail in prayer. We've seen it all through the scriptures and Jesus teaches us today in this passage that we must prevail in prayer. God is ordained to work in this way. So as we come to a close, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to stop 
being satisfied with such little prayers. Stop asking quietly and passively and just mentioning prayers to God. Let's come to the Father boldly, confidently in the name of Jesus Christ and let's not stop asking until His glory is made known to the ends of the earth, until His name is hallowed among all the peoples of the earth, until His kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven, until those that are in our families and friend groups that are unsaved, until they come to a saving knowledge of Christ, let's don't stop asking And we've been talking about desiring to see Bull Street reach our community. We've been talking about it. But let's pray like we mean it. And let's not stop praying until this congregation is filled with people who are calling out on the name of the Lord for salvation. Who are coming from all over in this area calling on the name of the Lord for salvation. It may start with one person here, but until there is a grassroots movement among God's people right here at Bull Street, we're not going to see it. So maybe you would say, I want to be that one person. I want to start praying today for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like I mean it and I'm committed to that and I'm not going to stop until we see the Lord move in ways that we've never seen before. Maybe you'd say to one of your friends, would you join me? I'm going to, I'm going to begin praying every Tuesday at this time or I'm going to pray, I'm going to get here early on Sunday mornings and, and pray that way or I'm going to meet during the week at night and pray that way and, and maybe it would just grow and grow with a people whose heart is, is convicted with this idea that Jesus is calling us to pray and not stop praying. We're to pray with persistence, audacity, boldness, a shamelessness, a not giving up until we see that we have what we've asked for. Would you pray with me in that way? Let's pray now. Father, we pray that you would take your word today by your Holy Spirit and change us. Lord, that you would strengthen our resolve that we would not be half-hearted creatures, but that we would be whole-hearted in our commitment to pray that your glory would be manifested to the ends of the earth. Lord, would you work through us right here in, in this congregation, in this people, Lord, would you work through us that the fragrance of Christ would be known in Savannah through this congregation? that the gospel of Christ would be clear through this congregation, that people would hear 
and believe. Lord, we believe that it is through the preaching of the gospel that people are saved. Faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. We know that people are born again through the living and abiding word of God, which is the gospel that is preached to us. So Lord, let us pray towards that end and let us open our mouths that people may hear the good news. And we pray that Jesus would be glorified here in Savannah and among the nations. Lord, from this day forward, would you change our prayer lives? Would you strengthen our resolve that we would be different? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.